Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Smart City Chronicles podcast. My name is Adam Beck. I'm your host of the Chronicles, and my day job, of course, is Smart Cities Council Executive Director here in the Australia and New Zealand region. And today on episode 22 of the Chronicles, we're going to be talking all things City of Darwin and Smart Cities. And joining me to do that is CEO of the City, Scott Waters. Scott, welcome. Adam, great to be here. Thanks for joining us. Um, Scott, not all of our listeners are going to know um, who you are and where you're from and what you do. Can we start with a little bit of a bio about what your day job is? Yeah, absolutely. CEO of the City of Darwin, uh, the northernmost capital in Australia. And uh, we have a population in our local government area of around about 85,000 people. The greater Darwin area that we support is around about 150,000 people. Uh, the northernmost capital in Australia, we're closer to Asia than we are to anywhere else. And uh, we provide services to a very diverse community, one of the most culturally diverse within the country, and also a very high representation of our Aboriginal people here, uh, the Larrakia people. And uh, our council works extremely hard to be able to recognise those people. But from a geographical perspective, if we look at where we sit, um, we're just to the south of Indonesia, um, four and a half hours to fly to Sydney for us, four and a half hours to fly to Shenzhen in China. So it gives you a bit of an idea of geographically where we're currently sitting, uh, 400 million people to the north of us as a market share. And then if I look to our south within the Australian continent, there's 24 million people. Uh, so we see our future very much to the north as a smart city. Uh, that can really not only integrate with Asia, but then be that stepping stone for the rest of our nation. And uh, Darwin really is perfectly placed for the future. That's a, that's a fascinating sort of statistic around, um, I suppose, location-wise, where you fit in the region. Um, for our listeners uh, internationally that uh, don't know where, uh, sorry, don't know sort of some of the key attributes of Darwin, Give me a sense of what people love about this place. How would you describe it? Yeah, we're, we're a tropical city, very close to the equator. So we're quite warm all year round. Think about Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, and you've pretty much got the climate that we have here in Darwin. Uh, it's quite warm. It's tropical. Uh, you'll hear a lot about crocodiles if you Google <laughs> Darwin, and uh, uh, we definitely have plenty of those. Uh, but when you scratch beneath the surface, you've got a great university city, uh, a city that's built around government, uh, and a city that's had to rebuild itself over an extended period of time, whether that be the bombing of Darwin during um, 1942 and the Second World War, through to Cyclone Tracy that totally wiped out the city in 1974. Um, our city has had to reinvigorate and rebuild itself numerous times, and we're at that next stage of rebuilding ourselves, and that will be through our smart city platform and network. Uh, our city is one that we're extremely proud of, and those that come here are frontier people within Australia. They have a can-do attitude, and they want to get in and make the city a better place and contribute to the nation overall. So from what we see here in Darwin, it really is a part of the world, a part of Australia, uh, that there are great opportunities, and it's about how we take that forward for our future. Um, I heard a statistic just earlier this week about Darwin, and I'm going to get you to sort of confirm or deny otherwise, um, that more cruise ships and passengers 
land in Darwin than in any of our other ports in Australia. Is that right? Very close. We're just behind Sydney. Wow. So when you put that in context, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah we're, we're a busy port um, for cruise ship passengers, but then when we actually are also an operating port with an amazing natural harbour, uh, but we do have a lot of visitors come and visit us through air, sea, road and rail. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. Um, okay, so let's sort of um, let's slowly sort of drill down now. So, uh, in terms of um, uh, city shaping and, and, and growth management and, and all things uh, sort of you know modern futures, um, there's a whole range of initiatives that are, that are going on. Can you can you start by laying the cards out on the table of some of the key uh, big picture initiatives that are that are happening right now in, in sort of not only Darwin but you know contextually the region as well. Yeah, definitely, Adam. When we look at smart cities, it's always about what's the problem that we're trying to solve, and uh, there are problems. While we have a fantastic city, uh, we won't shy away from the fact that there are some issues that we need to address. Uh, some of those around safety and security. Um, where also some other elements is around climate, um, how we're monitoring, you know, that really hot environment as well too, and how do we plan better for our future. We were very lucky as a council to be able to partner with the federal government, the Commonwealth of Australia, and then also our Northern Territory government, our, our state territory level government and ourselves as a local government. So three levels of government that we have here in Australia, all working really closely together to deliver a $10 million project. 5 million afforded to the council from the Commonwealth Government of Australia, uh, 2.5 million from the Northern Territory Government, and then 2.5 million from ourselves into this project. That gave us uh, the Switching on Darwin project, enabling us to be part of a smart future, enabling us to be able to start to look at where tech can be best placed to solve the problems that we might have within our city, and then how that can help us plan better for the future. We've received that funding. We're in the middle of delivering that project at the moment and it's travelling along quite well. Uh, we have numerous partners at an international and also at a local level to deliver this to ensure that we provide not only a smart city solution, but we also have those businesses locally engaged to help deliver this and partner with us in our future. Um, we're going to dig into a little bit more on that project soon and unpack some of those those initiatives and investments. Um, there's also this other thing called uh, the city deal, right? Mm. And uh, we featured a couple of city deals in, in other episodes. So some of our listeners are, are familiar with those, but tell us how the, uh, the city deal up here came about and, yeah. and sort of what it means for the city of Darwin. Yeah, the, uh, the Darwin city deal is a long time coming. A huge amount of work undertaken by the Territory Government primarily driving this. And it's where we were a little bit different. Other city deals within Australia were driven by the local governments partnering with their state or territory counterparts. Our Northern Territory Government drove this on key projects that they saw as a group of projects that can really take our city forward. Uh, landmark project that we took to the Commonwealth. We sat down, we worked with them. Uh, we had some projects move in and move out over a period of time. But late last year, we were incredibly happy to be able to have the Prime Minister our Chief Minister of the Northern Territory Government and our Lord Mayor both sign an agreement to deliver the Darwin City deal. Um, and it's one of many around the country here in Australia, um, often 
we, we see some of the city deals underpinned by sort of key infrastructure projects or major mm-hmm. city shaping projects. What, what are some of the, the components or investments within the deal? Yeah, the key one for us is the civic and education precinct. Uh, Council, Northern Territory Government, Commonwealth Government and Charles Darwin University have all worked together to be able to create a new smart precinct. This precinct will house uh, the international arm of Charles Darwin University right in the CBD of Darwin, bringing up to a thousand international students into our CBD. So we have the ability to be able to not only have the very best educational facilities, uh, but we can then impart our knowledge that we're delivering right here on the ground within the Northern Territory, the city of Darwin and ultimately Australia itself. Uh, We talk about it being civic and education. Our council has the ability to house our council offices within the civic and education precinct, a co-located library where we have the university library, the Northern Territory Government Library and the city of Darwin Library working together hand in hand, side by side, to get the very best outcome for not only the university students, the citizens of the Northern Territory, um, but those that live within our local government area have access to a plethora of resources that they haven't had before. A lot of city deals have uh, been formed around infrastructure and they've tacked their smart city work on afterwards. We're very lucky. We're moving and we're quite mobile with our smart city now. It's embedded within the city deal. But that's a major project that we'll be delivering, about $200 million. Uh, Council partnering with Charles Darwin University on that and we're really excited about it. Another element of the deal is working with uh, the CSIRO, uh, Commonwealth Government's arm for uh, scientific studies. We'll be delivering an urban living lab. That urban living lab will be about how we work together uh, with those within the scientific community as to how do we deal with the tropical issues that we have to deal with, whether that's uh, climate and weather, um, all the way through to the different types of building materials that we can utilise to have environmentally sustainable construction that then at the same time is strong, robust, uh, provides a cool living environment and gives us the opportunity as Territorians to be able to really enjoy the great environment that we have. So some real landmark projects. Um, There's a lot of others within there as well too. But to have Charles Darwin University in our CBD is really a great step forward. A thousand international students, that changes the face of what we have here and all with uh, smart tech underpinning that the whole way through. And, and that's, um, that's an amazing sort of activation tool as well, right, mm. for sort of the city centre. I mean, that, that's going to be that's going to be a huge sort of injection of, of energy and vibrancy and, you know, local economic development. Um yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's, that's incredible. Is there a sense, um, I mean, I've been to Darwin a number of times yeah. and, you know, the, the, the climate is very much part of the experience up here, but I'm getting the sense that, that there's going to be a real injection of, uh, uh, of, of, of capital, of vibrancy, of, of people, in turn visitors. It's... Um, Darwin's changing. I'm feeling like Darwin is going to change a lot. Yeah, it will. And we talk about the tourism industry and visitors that come in, that tourism brings a city its heart and its soul and changes it completely. 
well, we'll be able to not only deliver that within the tourism sector, but then within the education sector as well. So our vibrancy, our heart and our soul will be articulated through those that come to visit and study with us, those that may in the future decide to live here and be part of the Northern Australian story as to how that grows and develops over time. So it is a step change. It is something for our city to really uphold and take forward. And what that then does for us in the future provides another economic pillar and arm that we not, might not necessarily have right now. We've got a great university, but it's in the suburbs. It's about unlocking that potential of the university, putting it within the CBD, uh, and then having all of that great activity and vibrancy, um, the markets that we have within our CBD and the great events, building that through specific times of the year to have Darwin not only a great place to live, which it already is, but it continues to be a great place to visit. It, I, I struggle not to think that th this could get pretty overwhelming at times. I mean, this is quite a, a staggering uh, buffet of, of investments and projects that are sort of all coming down the pipeline at once. How is the local community? How is a local businesses? And, and I suppose your, your ecosystem of stakeholders, how are they embracing sort of all of this, this change? Yeah, very much open arms, but, but it is about bringing everybody along with the journey. What does that mean for me is always the big question. What does a smart city mean for me? What mm. changes are you going to make? Or what will a thousand students do to my business? Uh, will I have to change, evolve and grow? Uh, the great story that our Lord Mayor puts forward and talks about all the time is that our city is named for Charles Darwin. Our university is Charles Darwin. Uh, the... <laughs> theologian that yeah. came up with you know the, the theory to be able to say we must evolve yeah. um, that's what Darwin has to be about you know we're named for Charles Darwin our university is Charles Darwin um, we'll continue to evolve and grow and that's within our DNA that's how we take that forward so all of these projects moving around bringing along with the journey but the clear message is let's evolve let's continue to grow and develop uh, we're very self-sufficient from the rest of the nation. We have to be uh, because of our geographical location. So how do we evolve and we grow and we be masters of our own destiny for the future and we're starting to deliver on that? Yeah. And, and just quickly on, on economy, Scott, uh, give our listeners a sense of, of what, what the mix is here in terms of key economic um, drivers and, and sort of inputs and outputs. Obviously, you've spoken about tourism. Um, have you Have you got sort of... You've got military here in, in different sort of Yeah, parts. We, we do. Defence is a big part yeah, yeah. of our economic mix that we have here. So from tourism, education, defence, yeah. uh, we have uh, a real output economy when it comes to the resources sector yeah. and mainly around uh, offshore gas and yeah. oil. So how that is refined, um, so it's brought from offshore to onshore here in Darwin. We have uh, a large amount of international agreements, uh, probably the most notable is IMPEX, mm. uh, the Japanese refinery that we have and the uh, gas fields that IMPEX utilise. Uh, it, it is the single largest investment that Japan has made outside of Japan wow. globally. Wow. We have that right on our doorstep here and that's operating and it's a 40-year life for a very large facility to be able to provide natural gas to the Japanese market uh, for the foreseeable future. So uh, we do have great output. And then for us, government is a real driver. All three levels of government are represented here very, very well. It is the home of the Northern Territory government. Um, that creates an organic environment where it is those 
government workers continually working around, not dissimilar to the likes of Canberra or Washington or mm. any mm. of those really true government cities. Uh, we have that. And, and what we do see, though, is major projects that can take us to the very extremities of our ability to absorb economic growth. And when they drop off, well, then the economy can lag back. What we're working on with the Northern Territory government and, and just like with our city deals, creating a pipeline of projects that can continue to deliver us for the future. Uh, so it is a great economic environment that we have here. Agriculture is very key for us as well too. Um, so whether that be uh, cattle, live export, mangoes, we have a billion dollar investment going in to Project Sea Dragon, which is a uh, live prawn farm facility. Uh, we have live farming of barramundi that's uh, prime for the export market. Lots of opportunity and really it is about opening up not only just Darwin and the Northern Territory but the whole of North Australia, uh, having that continue to occur and uh, really look north to the opportunities that the economies have that are really growing to the north of us. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, um, let's pivot now. Let's talk about... Um, smart Darwin yeah um, and it's also been known as, as um, switching on Darwin so, yeah. so tell us a little bit about that that project and that we go back to you know as you mentioned in your introduction the, the ten million dollars mm. now for, for our listeners that, that aren't aren't local here in the Australian New Zealand region um, the Australian government has um, dispersed 50 million dollars in funding to help catalyze smart city investment, proof of concepts and demonstrations across the nation. Um, that Those funds have been distributed to around about 100 projects or thereabouts. Uh, I think the, mat, the, the maximum matching was, was 5 million. Um, so you guys have sort of maxed out there. You've been, yeah. um, you, you're recipients of sort of the, the largest amount. So this yeah. is a very, this is a very substantial investment in, in smart cities. Uh, solutions, um, technology and data solutions, um, which is which is awesome. Um, and you know, it's not a Brisbane, Sydney, or Melbourne. It's not a big urban city. Um, it's it's you guys. So tell us a little bit about where that money's going to go. Yeah. Some of the the projects and investments you're going to do at a more tangible level, and more pedestrian scale, and maybe some of the outcomes you hope to achieve from those. Yeah, definitely. Really, for us, the, this is. People use the word a lot, but it is a game changer. Uh, it's funding that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to access. And from a local government perspective, it does give us the opportunity to have a real leg up into the smart city world. Uh, for me as a CEO, I, I looked at it and the first thing that I saw mm. with smart cities was that there's a lot of work being undertaken, but it's quite a siloed approach. Mm. Uh, we have created what is a single integrated platform. Um, that will take us forward to the future. Um, what we've done with that single integrated platform is partner with uh, Telstra and Telstra as the uh, national telecommunications provider for Australia has been fantastic. Uh, working with them on a partnership basis and then being able to have individual projects that are drilled down and delivered by uh, national and some local level companies has given us a real breadth of, of what we're delivering. So, so what are we delivering? What are we talking about here? So it's 130 new CCTV cameras throughout our, our CPD, um, smart pole technology to be delivered throughout our key parks, 
Wi-Fi, uh, smart parking sensors throughout our CBD, uh, also climate technology as well too. How can we monitor our climate better? Um, all of this data and information feeding into a single integrated platform provided to us by the Urban Institute. Um, then that data working very closely with Telstra to have that analysed by their team of data scientists and pose those questions as to what do we want to understand about what's happening within our CBD and our community right now? Um, we have the sensors, we have the technology, but it is really about crunching that data, uh, making it machine readable and easy to be able to understand what the output is going to be. Once we get that output and we understand what's occurring in different areas with real data, real-time information, we then have the ability to be able to address problems. From a council perspective, uh, we will be implementing the OpenGov tool, which is well known throughout the United States. Uh, somewhat baby steps here in Australia, so we'll only be the second council to deliver mm. OpenGov. Uh, Real-time uh, dynamic publishing of our performance as a council against budget. That's going to be a real step change for us. And when I talk to my staff about that, some of them are a little bit hesitant and I've just said, no, this is what we need to do. Uh, we need to be able to be open, transparent, a government that is going to say to the community, this is what we'll deliver for you. This is the amount that it will cost. And we do that and we hold ourselves accountable to it. Um, so for us, it's not just about the technology. It's about then how we analyse the data how we partner with Northern Territory Police, Fire and Emergency Services as well too, to create a better, safer community. Uh, and then with uh, climate uh, controls, we can start to understand where our city is hot, how that is heating, how do we then put technology in place to cool our city down? Um, how many more trees do we need to plant? Where do we need to plant them? What are the hot zones and how do we make it better? So really about citizen wellbeing, Wayfinding is also a really important mm. part of what we do. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting times and uh, we're well on the way to finalising this project by the 30th of May this year. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just a staggering um, collection of, of projects and investments. Mm. Um, as much as I, I love um, the, the, the technology part and the sensors, um, the, the, the data exchange and the, the data play that you're sort of architecting here is is for me the real exciting one because we see pockets of open data and cities yeah. you know opening up data sets and things like that but um from what i understand and what you're planning to do particularly with the open gov platform mm. um i mean you're putting yourself out there you know this yeah. is, this is real this this takes transparency and and governance and accounting really really to, to the next level has it, has it made people nervous at times? Look, I think it has, uh, but uh, happy to see that as well too. Uh, it then takes away you know, those issues that you can have if you're not publishing your data openly and uh, frequently mm. uh, and where there are, or what's council doing with their funding right now? Where are they spending it? Um, those questions get put away because in a click of the button, any member of our community can get onto our dashboard and see what we're spending, when we're spending it, where we're spending it. Uh, I think that's a fantastic way forward for government for transparency and accountability. And uh, our council, I believe, is the right size. Our city is the right size where we can really engage with our citizens uh, and really take this forward. So, uh, yeah, a few of those are a little bit nervous, but that's fine. Look, for me, local government is about spending within your budget. Don't not spend your budget because if you don't, you're not delivering services for your community that your elected members have asked you to do. 
So we're, we're a commercially community-focused business. And I know that's a bit difficult to mm, grasp, mm. but it really is about let's get the best bang for our buck for our community and deliver the services that our community have provided their funds to us, their ratepayer money, uh, and make sure that uh, we get the very best deliverable and outcome. Yeah. You know, there's often, um, there's often a lot of feedback that we get from the investment community at times mm-hmm. and it's in the context of it's a common it's a common statement or aspiration that all levels of government have at the moment which is we want to uh, we want to attract more private sector capital yeah. um, and when we talk to the investment community often there's comments made like a lot of cities don't really they're not really business oriented or business minded or yeah. operate in the way of a business you know there's high risk um, that there's not enough sort of um, rigor or transparency. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is going to be a fascinating case study to watch for all, not only all, all cities around Australia and beyond, but also for sort of industry nerds like me as well. But um, can you give me a sense of how, yes, it's going to be great, you know, the data exchange, um, crunching, you know, you'll have, you'll have actionable intelligence that you yes. can then yep. in, inform your investments and you've got the open gov platform. Are there any, are there any other sort of really big opportunities that you think will come, you know, down from the horizon, given that you're re- really sort of changing some key parts of the way you operate? Mm-hmm. Do you see that that's going to have other benefits and values sort of potentially around those areas of, of investment and leveraging private sector interest because of these changes in, in, in your operational model? Yeah, very much. Yeah. The, the past has been within government um, looking to monetize assets, um, generally to get a government out of trouble that spent too much money somewhere else. Uh, that's not where we want to be. What we want to be is in a place of demonstrating how we're utilising our assets better and how we're delivering services to the community. Um, For me, our next step after um, getting all of this work embedded and operating and functioning correctly is to have a centralised operating unit, Uh, one that's quite commonplace in other areas overseas but still not something in local government that we have here in Australia. Have your centralised operating unit. The phone call comes in through customer service. It's triaged. Uh, We have... uh, our vehicles out on the ground with our outside workforce, our asset management plan feeding into them exactly what they need to do on a daily basis and knowing how long it takes to deliver a particular piece of work. Mm. An operator being able to reassign and redeploy that workforce to deal with a matter that we may just have been advised of or being able to pre-program that in in two or three days' time. So having real actionable items delivered against and utilising our smart technology to deliver that, know where a workforce is, what they're delivering at a point in time, against our asset management planning, so we're keeping our current assets to the level that they need to be, and then ensuring that from a community perspective, we're providing the service and the expectations that they have. We then have really great business cases to partner with the private sector. So when we then look for infrastructure investment and we talk about public-private partnerships, it's not about monetizing assets to help you deliver something else for the future. Uh, What it is is a true partnership and that it can be seen that local government 
is delivering not only their services to community, but then they are delivering against a business plan and a model that's just expected by the private sector. Uh, so, you know, we have a huge amount of asset classes, how we manage those well, then give us the ability to be able to partner. But another good example could be smart light technology. We have all of the city uh, um, uh, light poles, smart poles. How do we then work with the private sector on 5G? Having a really good, robust business model takes out that risk. It de-risks the project mm. for the private sector. Mm. Uh, and then we both get mutual benefit through savings and realising what a true partnership can deliver. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you, you've got a pretty pretty solid plan here, which is, which is mm. always an, an amazing and exciting first, first step. Um, I, I, I probably want to ask... In terms of my last technical question, and then I want to sort of ask you more of a personal question at the end, but um, I, want to, I want to ask you about, you know, the local Indigenous community and our, yeah. our First Nations people. Um, I, I spent a fair amount of time with, with some, some friends, I mean, Smart Cities friends um, from New Zealand, mm. um, and they, they certainly embrace that, that, that Maori culture in a lot of their project work, more and more so in their smart cities work. Um, so you've got you've got a whole range of projects and investments around place and wayfinding. Just just walking to your office here today, um, Darwin does I, I think compared to other cities an exceptional job mm. in expressing those local values of the indigenous community. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what what are these projects? The digital, the physical, um, the precinct development, the wayfinding, weaving digital into that. What do you think are going to be um, some enhancements and, and and additional value you're going to be create in in helping tell that story of the local indigenous community? Yeah, look, you're 100 right, Adam. And our strategic direction group, our our general managers, our leadership team within council. We've been talking about this recently and uh, how we can deliver better for the Larrakia people, the traditional owners of the uh, land of where we are here in Darwin today. Uh, it's about place. Mm. It's about those special stories as to, you know, why is this such a beautiful place and what is the story behind that? How do we embed that in everything that we do? And from a council perspective, um, whether that be our acknowledgement of the land on where we meet and our council meeting this evening, we do that. Uh, acknowledgement of the uh, flags of the different cultures that we have, whether it be Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, um, but then taking a really deeper dive into that. And our strategic direction group, our leadership team within council, uh, you know, we very much looked at what New Zealand does do mm. and the Maori culture. And they set the benchmark for partnership and working together uh, to be able to recognise um, those that have been here before us and how we embed that. And it's more than just changing the name of the meeting room door to be about a Larrakia name. It's about thinking about how we can celebrate Larrakia culture and everything we do from our wayfinding within the city to ensuring that we have the right employment programs, but using smart technology to tell the story. I think that's extremely important for those that come here and they want to be able to understand not just Darwin today and Cyclone Tracy and the bombings in the 1940s, mm. but then where do we have those next steps mm. and uh, where did we come from, why are we here? 
why is this place so special and so significant? And it's actually 150 years this year since European settlement here in Darwin. Wow. So it's a it's a short space of time for this city and uh, one, though, that our relationship with the Larrakia uh, is extremely important. Our first council meeting of the year, um, Larrakia elders came and they spoke to us about how important uh, our roles are within this city and important to them and upholding their culture for the future. Um, and that's something that I challenge my general managers with to say, how can you take that forward within your individual departments and embed this in everything that we do? I, uh, I can't wait to see how, how that plays out and, and you know, put, put the pressure on Darwin to sort of really set that benchmark nationally because it certainly needs uh, a lot more leadership. So congrats on that front. Um, Finally now, Scott, I mean, we, we've talked about a lot of things. There's a ton of stuff going yeah. on, massive pipeline of projects and initiatives. On a more personal note, have you have you got a pet project? Are you really excited about something in particular this year? Give me something about 2019 and Scott Waters that sort of, you know, really, really excites you. For me, uh, nine months within the role of CEO now. So the feet are, <laughs> are well, well and truly under the desk. Uh, it's really open gov. Yeah, it, it yeah. really is, you know, how we're going to, and we're in the middle of developing our budgets for the next financial year now. Um, but seeing that from these very early phases and looking at my leadership team and being able to look at them and say, well, you'll be delivering against this this year. Mm. And the whole community will know about how you're delivering against it. I've uh, been looking at OpenGov for an extended period of time and have been excited as to what that could mean. Uh, to now have that as part of what we're delivering for the Switching on Darwin project, being able to talk about our performance of this project and how that's delivered but then having agreement that does go on and uh, we can then embed that within our council is really important. So that's an exciting project for me out of all of the other bits and pieces mm -hmm. that we've got and running the day-to-day -day of roads, rates and rubbish. <laughs> uh, it's going to be fantastic and uh, I look forward to it. You know, it's a great challenge. Um, yeah, your community to see how you perform on a daily basis, um, it puts you under pressure but it makes you sharper and that's something that I think local government needs and we'll be delivering that here in Darwin. Well, I can't wait to see, um, I can't wait to see this unfold and, and uh, these investments um, hit the ground. Um, Scott, it's been, a, it's been a delight hearing the story of, of Darwin and all things smart cities. I look forward to, to keeping in touch and uh, seeing how it advances. But uh, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it, Adam. Thank you very much. So for our listeners, that was Scott Waters, CEO of the City of Darwin, uh, a fascinating conversation and uh, a set of projects that we will track uh, certainly into the future. Uh, for our listeners who are not subscribing to the podcast, you can do so. Uh, typical platforms, uh, Apple, iTunes, Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. You can also head to our website, smartcitychronicles.com to check out all of our podcast episodes. Uh, but until next time, uh, have a great week and keep well.